0: All right, I trust you still have your Bibles open to Philippians chapter 3, uh, Philippians chapter 3. And by the way, if you're using one of those uh, uh, those pew Bibles, you go ahead and take that home with you and consider it a gift from Parkview Baptist Church. Uh, my only request is, is that if you take it, read it. Because that's what we need to be about. Speaking of reading the Bible, uh, it's the start of the new year. So, you know, we're, we're, what, 12 days into the new year? Uh, so I hope that you have already started a read the Bible through, uh, in, in the year plan. If you haven't started that, uh, we have some different, uh, different schedules, different things like that in the back of the church on the ushers table out there. On the way out, if you want to ask me for one, we'll uh, we'll be more than happy to give you one. Also, it's the same plan that is followed on the back of your bulletin. So every week, you'll notice on, on the back page at the very bottom, there are uh, Bible readings for the week on there. It's the same plan. You're reading from a different section of the Bible uh every week or every day so that uh kind of breaks up the I don't want to say monotony but it breaks up the well monotony <laughs> of uh some of you know if if you get uh uh, several days in Leviticus you can kind of that's usually about the time that people fade off from their Bible reading plans is when you get to those uh, but if you mix it up every day i think that that's that that's very helpful however you choose to read uh, the bible whether you choose to read the bible through in a year plan or in 2 years or however long uh, i think it's just very important that we read God's word every day every day that we can be in God's Word. He is directly speaking to us, or has directly spoken to us through His Word. So, if God Himself, the Creator of the universe, has spoken to us, what a benefit that we leave aside if we just if we don't take it up and read it. Well, it is. Uh, it is. We are 12 days into the new year, and hopefully that's been uh, long enough that you've kind of gotten started on whatever new plans that you had for the year. And hopefully it's not been long enough that you haven't already pushed those new plans to the side, whether you call them resolutions or, or whatever. Hopefully we haven't gotten to that point where we start letting those things fade or or uh, uh, get get put to the side. You know, I love this time of the year. Uh, the reason I love this time of the year is because it's a time for fresh starts. It's a time to reflect on where we've been. It's a time to make plans for the future. I, every kind of whatever personality or leadership test that I have ever taken, it says that I'm one of those guys that likes to look in the future and, and you know, cast vision, all that kind of stuff. So I, I just naturally I love this time of the year, making plans and make, having big dreams and, and all of that kind of stuff. Not necessarily resolutions, although sometimes those are, those are helpful. I don't know if you're one of those types that makes resolutions or not. Um, and by the way, the resolution that says, I resolve not to make any more resolutions, that doesn't count. (laughs) So I don't know whether you're the type that makes New Year's resolutions or not, but I think it's a good idea when the calendar changes to spend some time reflecting on the past. And more importantly, allowing that to launch us into thinking about what's ahead, thinking about where where we're going. And that's what the the Apostle Paul does in this passage that's in front of us this morning, this passage that Ben read that we're going to be uh, looking through uh, this morning. Right in the middle of this letter to the church at Philippi, and there were different things that were going on in the church at Philippi, but right in the middle of it, Paul places this passage. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Paul places this passage. And as he does that, he gives them three things that they need to focus on. The first thing that he says that they need to focus on is that they need to focus on reality. So look at chapter 3, verse 12, and the first part of verse 13. He says, "...not that I have already obtained, or am already perfect." but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me my own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. You know, it would have been very easy as Paul's writing this letter to this church that had some issues. They weren't, a, they weren't a terrible terribly messed up church, but they had some issues going on. It would have been perfectly natural for him to spend his time, all of his time, focusing on them, focusing on what was going on with them, focusing on their issues. But he didn't do that here, did he? He didn't just focus on other people's shortcomings. Now, the first place that he looked at was at himself. Right? It's like he held up a mirror and looked at himself. And by doing so, by using that example of looking at his own heart first, he gives the example to the church at Philippi, and he gives the example to us to follow his lead of taking a cold, hard look at ourselves. You know, that's important to do, isn't it? It's important to assess reality. To figure out where we are. Listen, folks, it's very tempting for us as a church, for us here at Parkview. It's very tempting for us to see where we are and think that we've arrived, isn't it? It's very tempting to look at where we are and where the Lord's brought us and see the things that are going on, see the things that have happened, that have happened in this church over the last few years and kind of puff up and say, Man, we we got this thing going on. We, we've arrived. It's very easy to do that. And, and you know, it's, it's a huge blessing not to have to worry about paying the bills or keeping the lights on in here. It's a huge blessing to see so many of our seats filled up on Sunday mornings when in times past there was so much more green to be seen than people. It's a huge blessing to see that. It's a huge blessing to be, to see people, to see God save people. Amen? It's a huge blessing to get to see the waters of this Baptistry stir. Not as often as we like, but it's a huge blessing to see that. It's a huge blessing to be part of a church that doesn't fuss and doesn't fight and doesn't bicker and doesn't gossip. Amen? I mean, I, If you've ever been a part of a church that has any of those things going on, to be a part of a church that doesn't have those things going on, man, it's a huge blessing. It's a huge blessing to be part of a church that genuinely loves each other. Those are huge blessings. But listen, there's a huge danger that can come with those huge blessings. It can sneak right along, right behind those huge blessings. And that danger is complacency. You know what I mean by complacency, right? Complacency is when you get comfort, comfortable and you think we've arrived. Comfort and peace, they're about the best anesthesia. I can't even say the word. The best numbing agent, (laughs) the best anesthesia that there is, aren't they? When you're comfortable, when everything's going well, things are at peace, you can go to sleep. You can just nap off into oblivion. But listen, we cannot let those things put us to sleep. We can't let those things put us to sleep because we still have a lot of work to do. We're not even close to accomplishing what the Lord wants us to accomplish at this church. You know how I know that? I know that because there's outside of these doors there is a world that is lost and dying. And apart from Christ, on the way to a sinner's hell. May it never be said that we have been caught comfortably napping as our neighbors and the nations drift off to hell without a gospel witness. You know, God warned through the prophet Amos, he said, woe to those who are at ease in Zion. We can never, ever be complacent. That's the reality that we need to focus on. We need to focus on the reality of where we are and where the Lord wants to take us. We also need to focus on the road ahead. Look at the second part of verse 13 and verse 14. <clears throat> It says, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, we'll just, well, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let me read that again. But one, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Forgetting the past. You know, we've lost some wonderful people over these. I've been here for a little over five years. And in these last five years, you know, as I was reflecting on this past year and reflecting on the past five years, we've lost a lot of wonderful people, haven't we? Now, they've graduated. (laughs) Uh, They don't miss us. But we miss them, don't we? I think particularly this last year. This last year was, um, I, I think in many ways emotionally devastating to our church with the saints that, that went on. And we can't forget them. We can't forget them and we shouldn't forget them because they are part of this, of the foundation of what the Lord is building here. And we can never forget that. Forgetting what lies behind doesn't mean that we forget the saints on whose shoulders we stand. We, We don't forget the basement of the Parker House that this church was planted in. We don't forget the sacrifices that people made to build this sanctuary, to build this building that we're blessed with. We don't forget those things. We don't forget the worship in the old sanctuary that's now our fellowship hall including the stories of, I guess, maybe a mouse running back and forth in a light. Yeah, some of y'all remember. We don't forget those things, do we? We, we can't forget those things. We, we can't forget those things. We don't forget about the beautiful things of our past, but at the same time, we don't live in those things. That's not where we live anymore. See, 2020... I don't know anything about what's going to happen this year, but I can tell you one thing. 2020 is not going to be the same as 2019. It's not going to be the same as 2009. It's not going to be the same as 1999 or 1989 or 1979 or however far you want to go back. This coming year will be its own year with its own challenges. This year will be different. The society around us will be different. The culture will be different. The styles will be different. All of these things around us will be different and we will be different. We can't stay the same. Oh, the only thing that never, uh, that, that is consistent in this world under the sun is change. The only thing that never changes in this world is God and His Word. These things never change. God's Word never changes. The Gospel never changes, but everything else will. Everything else does change. And it changes so fast it makes our head spin sometimes, doesn't it? But the reality is, is we can't, even as our head is spinning, we can't try to hold on to the past like it's, like it's our anchor. No, this is our anchor. God's Word is our anchor. That's the only thing that never changes. That's why we've got to keep our eyes on the road ahead. If we don't keep our eyes on the road ahead, we're going to end up in the ditch somewhere. We honor the past, but we focus on the road ahead. Now, that takes work, doesn't it? It takes work because, you know, I like to hold on to things. We like to hold on to things. That's why Paul used the words that he did. He said that he was straining forward to what lies ahead. It's a strain, it's something that we have to work on. He pressed on. He didn't just say he rolled on, did he? No, he was straining forward. Listen, this isn't easy. It isn't easy, especially when the anesthesia of comfort tries to lull us into sleep. That's so attractive. They just get lulled into sleep, but we can't let it. We can't let that happen. As we move forward, it's going to take some straining. As we move forward, it's going to take determination and pressing on. We need to focus on reality and we need to focus on the road ahead. We also need to focus on our responsibility. Look at verses 15 and 16. Verse 15 says, Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. You know, when Paul says that, let, let those of us who are mature, that we can get a picture in our mind of who he's talking about, and it's usually that he's talking about somebody else. Well, when he says, let those of us who are mature, he's not talking about necessarily an age thing. What he's talking about is a spiritual maturity thing. And when we're talking about those who are more mature, listen, what he's talking about is every believer, every believer in here. Because as a believer, even if you've only been a believer for a short period of time, even if you would consider yourself as an immature believer, guess what? You are more mature than some other believer in this place. So when he says that he's addressing this to mature believers, really don't try to pass that off on somebody else. You need to own that. Because we're all, each of us is more mature than somebody else. That means that every believer in here this morning has a responsibility, has a real responsibility. And the responsibility that Paul tells us that we have is to hold true... While moving forward. Hold true while moving forward. Hold fast to God's Word. Don't compromise on God's Word. No matter how things might change around us, this never changes. So we have, this is the anchor that we hold fast to. Hold fast to God's Word. Never, ever waver on biblical truth. What the Bible really says, not maybe not exactly what you think it might say, but what the Bible really says. Our changing culture doesn't change biblical truth. Amen? And your personal circumstances. You know, as much as we rail on culture and say that people are trying to change what the Bible says, I have seen more people shipwreck their faith by when their circumstances change or when they want to walk in a path that is contrary to Scripture, they say all of a sudden, well, you know, it doesn't really say what it says. So not only does culture, changing culture, not change Scripture, your changing circumstances don't change the truth of Scripture. But at the very same time, those of us who are mature must be straining with every fiber of our being to help this church move forward to accomplish the mission that God has called us to. This never changes, so we have to hold fast to it. But at the same time, we must be straining to move forward to what God has called us to do. And that requires continual change. Each of us as believers are called to lead in holding true. And each of us as believers are called to lead in pressing on. So with our eyes firmly fixed on reality, and with our eyes firmly fixed on the road ahead, and with our eyes firmly fixed on our responsibility, here are six things that I want us as a church to focus on in 2020. Get it? 2020, focus. Right? Yeah. I'm not the first one who said that, but yeah. Now, these aren't in any particular order, and they aren't in any particular priority or anything like that. As a matter of fact, all of these things go hand in hand. So when I say first and second, I'm not listing it in any kind of order. It's just um, that they're there. First, I want us to develop focus on developing prayer. I want us to focus on developing prayer, both personal prayer and corporate you know what I mean by corporate prayer? What I mean by corporate prayer is when we gather as a corporate body and pray together. Now, <clears throat> it sounds revolutionary, doesn't it? Sounds like I'm coming up with some grand new thought, grand new program. We've already got the infrastructure for this. If you're not aware, we do have a prayer meeting on Wednesday night. <clears throat> I shouldn't have said that. That was sarcastic. I apologize. Uh, But we do have the infrastructure for this already. We have a weekly prayer gathering here at the church on Wednesday evenings. Now there are probably, there are definitely things that I could do to our Wednesday night prayer meetings, our Wednesday night services, to make them more attractive, to make it a more appealing time to come. But it's not supposed to be about that. It's supposed to be about the church making it a priority to carve out time in our schedule when we gather together to boldly approach the throne of God, to pray. What could be more attractive (laughs) than having an audience with the Creator of the universe You know, this church, <clears throat> there are lots of things that, that we pray about that this church would be able to accomplish, that God would accomplish through this church. We pray that, that God would impact our community, that God would bring revival, that God would change lives, change circumstances, change situations. We pray that God would, would, would heal people who are sick. We pray all these things. But this church is never going to make the impact that God really wants us to make until we make a commitment to gather in prayer to the only one who will, who can accomplish those things. He will not do it through us until we're faithful in calling out to him together. Till we're not, till we're faithful in calling out to him together to save the lost calling out Him together to send the called, calling out to Him together to fill this house, calling out to Him together to bring a great awakening to our community and to our area and to our nation. Now, I understand that corporate prayer is not limited to a meeting that we have on Wednesday night. I know that there are people who are truly, providentially hindered from coming and gathering. I understand that. There are many who are not providentially hindered who are just self-induced hindered from not coming. But I understand that the corporate prayer, and you need to understand that corporate prayer is not just limited to Wednesday night prayer meetings. So gather your own prayer groups. Gather your own prayer groups, gather in your homes, gather in your workplace, gather in your schools. I was so encouraged when I saw on Facebook that there's a, a prayer gathering, I assume it's a weekly prayer gathering at Taswell High School. Um, and Daniel's a part of that. and um, That's so encouraging. But we can gather in prayer in all of these different places where God where God calls us, where God has led us, in our homes, in our workplaces, in our schools. We need to understand what the Bible says. The Bible says that apart from Jesus, we can do a little bit. Is that what it says? What does it say? It says apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. So if we understand... If we believe what this says and we understand that apart from Jesus we can do nothing, guess what? We better be asking Him. He also says, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. We better start asking. We better start doing it together. So this year we need to pray like we've never prayed before. That was the first thing. Second, I want us to focus on developing leaders. Focus on developing leaders. You know, throughout the history of this church, God has blessed this church. We've been blessed to see God raise up workers into his harvest field. He's raised up missionaries. He's raised up preachers and teachers and community leaders and entrepreneurs and folks who are faithful to witness in their homes and their schools and their workplaces. And we have folks all over, all over our community in different areas who are who are being witnesses, and there's no doubt that God has raised up leaders in our community and leaders in our area. There's no doubt that God has done that in the past. I don't know if you knew this, but Jacob Webster, who um, got married, moved away, you know how how they do, uh, but God called him to, he's a youth pastor now uh, in Danville uh, at a Baptist church there in Danville. So, you know, we got to see that. We've seen God do all that. And I'm so thankful for that, and we need to be thankful for that, but we need to understand the desperate need that we have for leadership now. It's not one of those things, right? We remember the past, but... or we, I'm sorry, we honor the past, but we don't live there like it's some great commendation for us. We press forward. So we need to remember... And understand the desperate need that we have for leadership now. In this church, we need people who are equipped and who are willing to organize and lead. Lead things like prayer meetings. We need people who are equipped and willing to organize and lead Bible studies. We need people who are equipped and willing to lead out and showing hospitality by opening up their homes and their hearts to others we need people to lead with new ideas of how we can bring new life to our neighbors and the nations and then follow through with it. we don't just need people generating ideas and say hey preacher let's do this hey preacher let's do this hey now we need people who <clears throat> will be creative enough to come up with the ideas and bold enough to follow through and accomplish those things we need to develop god called missionaries Amen? Wouldn't it be wonderful to see God raise up missionaries out of this church? We need to develop God-called preachers and pastors, some that we get to send and some that we get to keep. We need to develop God-called community leaders who will permeate our local governments and permeate our civic organizations with a gospel witness. We need to develop God-called entrepreneurs who will bring new spiritual and economic vitality to our area. We need to develop God-called moms and dads and students and workers and teachers who will lead their homes and their schools and their workplaces to follow Christ. See, this year we need to develop and encourage leaders like we never have before. Third, I want us to focus on developing our kids and our youth. Um, how many of you have heard anybody ever say, well, you know that the children are our future? Have you ever heard that? Well, if you ever feel like saying it, please don't say it in front of me. <laughs> it might be a good song for Whitney Houston, but um, the reality is is our children are not our future. Our youth are not our future. Our children and our youth are the present of Parkview Baptist Church. That's worth an amen. Children and youth are our present because we, they're as much a part of the church as anybody else. Because we are an intergenerational church. We worship together. We're called to worship together. But with all that being said, we need to have a renewed emphasis on developing our kids and youth because our kids and youth have unique ways that they need to be discipled and developed. Now, will some of that come from resourcing? It probably should. Will some of it come from a fresh emphasis on building relationships and making disciple-making disciples? Well, it better because that's what we're all supposed to be about. Will new programs, will new events be part of that? Probably. But here's what has to happen. Adult believers throughout this congregation will have to personally invest... In the lives of the younger people in this church, personally invest. That, that means seeking them out rather than wanting them to seek us out. Because here's the reality. Look, most of them aren't going to want to talk to old folks like me. They're not going to come seek us out, seek me out. But as adults, we have, we have to be the ones to lead in that. We have to be the ones to break through that awkwardness to show them that we're in their corner. We have to show ourselves to be interested in their lives. We have to act like the good aunts and uncles and grandparents to these kids. We have to be somebody who, when things go absolutely nuts in their lives... We have to be somebody that they already have enough of a relationship with that they feel comfortable to come and say, guess what? Things aren't going great. And that they can come talk to us. That's on us as adults. See, this is a crazy world. And if we as a church, if we don't make a concerted effort to develop our kids and youth... There is a whole demonic world out there that is waiting to develop them for us. And we can't let that happen. So this year we need to develop our kids and youth. Fourth, I want us to focus on developing missions. Developing missions. You know, I'm thankful as a church, you know, we just came out of our Lottie Moon Christmas offering uh, to the International Mission Board, and, and you know, by God's grace, it was a tremendous offering. And I'm so thankful that as a church that we generously give to missions through those special missions offerings and through our regular tithes and offerings through the cooperative program. I, I'm so thankful that we do that. But I don't ever want us to have the mindset that we pay others to go do that work for us. We're not just um, like a contractor that pays somebody else to do the subcontract work for us. Few things in this world develop disciples and focus a church to be on mission, like going on mission trips together. Being away from home together as a group and being on mission together with one focus. Few things unite a church like that. So things go as planned, our missions committee is going to propose and plan and organize a mission trip sometime this year, hopefully this summer. So here's what I want you to do. And then when I say you, I mean y'all, everybody. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to start praying, and I want you to start saving money and vacation time, and I want you to start preparing to go. And if you absolutely can't go because of physical reasons or because of of something where you are providentially hindered from going, if you can't, absolutely can't go, then plan on financially helping somebody else to go. In addition to a mission trip, I'd like for all of us, for us as a church, to do a local missions project together. And we did a local missions project a couple of years ago. That's when your pastor decided to fall down a hill and try to wrap his leg around his head. Um, but here's the reality. When we did that local mission trip before, or local missions project, before we did that, we had done a couple of other mission trips and I had some feedback from folks. Well, you know, there's a whole lot of stuff around here that needs to be done. So we did a local missions project and we had three people that were part of that. Now, I don't say that for our shame, but I say that just to emphasize that, yes, we want to be a part of missions elsewhere, and we want to be part of missions project here as well. Now, I don't know what that will look like. I don't know what it will involve, but we'll figure that out. And when we do, I, I'm asking you to participate. So start praying about it and get ready to participate. Some of the folks that can't go on a mission trip can certainly be part of a mission project. You know, we've got a, just a wonderful group of folks who show up here regularly on Sunday mornings to worship and for some odd reason to listen to me preach. We've got a wonderful group of folks that, that do that. But listen to me, this isn't where we become family. This isn't where we truly grow together as family. We truly grow together as family when we worship together, yes, but when we also work together and pray together and play together. See, those mission opportunities will help us grow together. They'll grow us together. They'll also have the benefit of developing leaders. They'll also have the benefit of developing youth. They'll also have the benefit of developing prayer. Do you see the pattern here? And by God's grace, they, God will use us through those things to develop and to grow His kingdom beyond these walls, which is what we're supposed to be about also need to let you know something that uh, uh, Richie Mullins, who's the chairman of our missions missions committee, uh, Richie and I are planning on going, to, going on a mission trip to India uh, in September, spend a couple of weeks there in lovely garden spots <laughs> uh, in India. And I'll let you know more about that as the time gets closer. But I'm letting you know that now because I want you to be in prayer about that. And as you're in prayer about that, pray about supporting us in any way that you can. This year, we need to develop missions. Not just praying and giving. I think we're very faithful in doing that. But not just the praying and giving part, but also the going part. We need to be faithful in developing missions. Fifth, I want us to focus on developing groups. Developing groups. When I got here um, a little over five years ago, and introduced the concept of new life groups. And new life groups included everything from our Sunday night New Life Corps to home groups to our Sunday school to all of that. The idea was for some of those groups to be here on campus and some of those groups to be at home. Now, we got to be frank about this. After five years of this going on, it's been a real mixed bag as far as success of those groups. A couple of years ago, when we had a men's home group that I led, and Daniel Mounts was gracious enough to host, I, I thought that that went very well. We had good attendance. It was spiritually beneficial. We stopped that group when the curriculum finished, and we never picked it back again. Picked it up back up again. Mainly the reason that we didn't pick it back up again was because I just simply couldn't. I mean, I already had too much on my plate. I simply couldn't uh, couldn't lead one more group. So, listen to me, men. Men, we need a man to commit to leading a weekly or a monthly men's group this summer. Now, what that men's group looks like, I don't know. Be creative. Whether it's a Bible study or whether it's a mission project group or an old fashioned brotherhood prayer breakfast, it doesn't matter. What what we need is we need a man to be first bold enough and second creative enough. You don't even have to be creative enough; just be bold enough to say, "I'll do it. I'll lead it." This past year, our ladies group has really taken off under Vicky Pauly's leadership, and I'm I'm thankful for that. I'm. Just thrilled to see that. It took several years <laughs> of trying to get ladies' uh, ministries started, and I'm, I'm very thankful to that. We've got some exciting things coming up. We've got ladies are going to gather and have some soup on Super Bowl Sunday and different things like that. More information on that stuff to come. Um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that ministry continuing and that ministry growing. But here are the places that we desperately need to grow, we really need to grow our Sunday evening New Life Core, And we really need to grow our Sunday school. Both Sunday school and Sunday evening attendance in the five years that I've been here, um, just to be gracious about it, has been flat. Now, we've seen Sunday morning attendance grow significantly over those five years. But Sunday night and Sunday school... Has stayed the same. I, I don't know. You can talk to the folks, the handful of folks that come regularly on Sunday evenings. You get their opinion about it. I love what we do on Sunday evenings. I, I just love what we do on Sunday evenings. And the, the feedback that I get from those folks who attend, it's always good feedback. But listen, I am perfectly willing to change up what we do on Sunday nights if it means that you will come and you will be built in your faith. Because what we're going to do do is going to be Word-centered. But I'm perfectly willing to change up what we do if it means that you'll come. A friend of mine uh, who's a pastor of another church was having all kinds of issues with his Sunday night service, and he just got frustrated one Sunday morning. He stood up and he said, that's it, no more Sunday night services. Now they were, I think they were running maybe five on Sunday nights, 80 on Sunday mornings, five on Sunday nights. And he was, he, they were, it was full service, preaching and music and everything. And he said, he said, that's it. He said, no more. And the church just went nuts. I mean, he got all kind of feedback and all of that kind of stuff. So the next Sunday he stood up and he said, look, I've been hearing all this stuff all week. You folks are about to riot because we're going to cancel Sunday night services. And he said, we will continue Sunday night services. He said, but right now I want a commitment by show of hand. <laughs> how many people will be here? And I think he said, you know, three or he might have said, you know, three out of the next four Sunday nights or something like that. And guess how many people raised their hand? The same ones that have been showing up. Listen, we all, when I got here, when the church called me, one of the first things that y'all asked me was, Hey, are we going to start Sunday night services again? And I said, Yes. Um, and I'm, I'm committed to it. I don't want to be committed to running my head into a wall. There's tremendous benefit. Look, there's, there's a whole, there's a whole world out there of confusion. There's a whole Internet out there of confusion. We don't need to get our theological answers from that. We get our theological answers from gathering together. This is where God calls us to come and be equipped to do the ministry that He's called us to. So we need to take every advantage of that. And like I said, I'm perfectly willing to change it up, just asking you to come. As far as Sunday school... Um, I am continually amazed and thankful at how God has blessed us with excellent teachers. Amen? Let me hear some amens from the 30 people that come to Sunday school. Amen? God has blessed us with some excellent teachers. And you who attend understand that. But you who attend need to not only just understand that, you need to pass that word. So I can stand up here every Sunday and I can give announcements and I can say, y'all, y'all need to come, y'all need to come, y'all need to come. But you know what happens when announcement time comes. You're like, man, he's finally done talking, so let's hurry up and get out of here. So you need to be the ones to communicate the blessing that you get from coming to Sunday school. You need to be the ones to actively recruit people to come to your class. You need to be the ones to send out invitation cards and texts and emails to folks. You need to be the ones, when you see folks, when you see the larger gathering on Sunday mornings, to say, hey, come to my Sunday school class. You need to have fellowships in your Sunday school classes. Okay, so that's that's how we need to focus on our classes this year. We need to definitely develop our groups this year. Sixth. I want us to focus on developing plans. And if you've gone to sleep through any of those, this will wake you up. You ready? You know, it's been said that if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Right? We have been blessed. God has blessed us with some growth over these past few years. And by God's grace, I believe that this is just the beginning of what He has for us. God is going to continue to grow our church. Maybe not exponentially, but He's going to continue definitely, steadily, and incrementally growing our church. So we have to be ready for that growth. We can't wait until it's already happened and we say, now what are we going to do? We have to be ready for it. We have to plan ahead. Now our sanctuary, um, the, when when this place was designed, it, it's amazing. This is the perfect size for really any growth that the Lord brings to us. Even if we, you know, eventually have to go to multiple services or anything like that. But this sanctuary is the perfect size for any growth that the Lord brings to us. Our parking is definitely ample. We have plenty of room to grow our educational space. Right until everybody starts coming to Sunday school and then we'll worry about that when that happens. But we got plenty of room to grow our educational space. But there is one area of this church that has needed growth and has needed updating for a long time. You know what that is, don't you? The kitchen and a fellowship hall. I think we're ready to start making plans to fix that. You know, I've held off uh, for a few years, really even bringing that up, brought it up in a prayer meeting maybe three years ago, just as something that we should pray about. And the first response I got was, well, what committees and who would be in this and this wouldn't it? I said, no, I just asked you to pray about it. But now I think is the time to start making plans. It's going to take a lot of planning. It's going to take considerable financial resources. That means lots of giving. It'll take a lot of work and it'll definitely take a lot of patience. But here's what it'll take the most of. It'll take humility and it'll take selflessness. Do you hear me? When we come at it from a position of humility and selflessness, that's coming at it from a position of not saying, well, this is what I want, and this is what I'm going to lobby for. See, I refuse, absolutely refuse, to lead us in a building program if we're going to end up fussing and fighting over matters of personal preference. Not going to put up with it. We just won't do it. You know, it was like when my kids were little and they'd want to fight over something. They'd want to, you know, do all this stuff. My solution was always, well, we'll just take it away. We just will live without it. I'd rather live without something than fight. God has, He's formed an amazing bond of unity in this place and we're not going to sacrifice it on the altar of a building program. Amen. We're just not going to do that. So if and when we do this, we're going to use committees and working groups to make the decisions that need to be made, and we're going to trust them to make the right ones. Because listen, the reality of it is, if you don't like the flooring that somebody picks, it's got to be better than that 50-year-old carpet that's in there now. Amen? (laughs) So this isn't the year for building, but this is the year for planning. We need to get started in developing those plans and developing the infrastructure of how we're going to do that and all of that. Okay. That was six things. That's a lot to think about. I hope you know the reality of where we are as a church. The reality of where we are as a church, even though we've got lots of things to look at, the reality is, is that we are in a really, God has brought us to a really, really good place. And I am so thankful for that. But we cannot let this really good place that God has brought us, we can't let that lull us to sleep because we still got a long way to go. And until new life has been brought to all our neighbors in the nations, we will continue to have a long way to go. The goal is not to fill up this place. The goal is not to have the offering plates full. The goal is that our neighbor, that we would bring new life to our neighbors and the nations. That is the goal. And until that is accomplished, then we got plenty of work to do. So that means we need to keep our eyes on the road ahead. I've given us six things on that road that we need to consider and that we need to pray about and that we need to work toward. But your responsibility this year, as we work toward those, as we pray for those things, your responsibility is to hold true to the Word of God and press forward to where the Lord wants us to go as a church. So I'm asking for you to commit to that. If you will commit to that, then no matter what happens in Richmond or Charleston or Washington, it doesn't matter what happens in those places. If you commit to those things, then this will be the year of our greatest kingdom impact by God's grace. King Jesus is on His throne. Amen? No matter what goes on around us, King Jesus is on His throne. And my prayer is that this year we will focus on King Jesus like we've never focused on Him before and that we'll accomplish more for Him than we've ever accomplished accomplished before as a church. Let's pray.